Good morning and welcome. This is Tabo D'Arcy, pastor, overseer of the House DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship. Technically, I'm also a professor, apostolic professor, that means servant leader, but also lowercase letter, but we've studied doctrine. We now teach teachers and trainers, those who want to know how to come apart from the law, yet respect fully the Levitical law of the Old Testament, use it as a preaching resource for precepts, for thinking, renewing our mind, humbling ourselves, getting great principles to apply today, but in a non-legalistic fashion. So today I'm thinking of explaining for preachers, for teachers, for lay, why we're defragging accusation. Why, why I'm so big on legalism. What is legalism? It really means back under the law, and there's nothing wrong with modeling the law in part. It's only when you use it as a Christian in the modern-day New Testament sense right now to accuse somebody with it, to say, you know what, you're not doing so-and-so. I saw you. You're not as good as me is implied super religious, religious, always right, superior knowledge or whatever. So it's that mocking, that pride factor that we're trying to eliminate. It's not assessing, it's accusing. And that's what we're going on vocabulary words to the body of Christ, men and women, about assessing. You need to assess. You need to assess anybody by their character, their fruit, their life, you don't want to be, you know, too close to somebody that'll do you in. But we assess through the fruit of James 3.17 that any wisdom that represents God, male or female, black or white, Asian or Hispanic, bond or free, has got to represent the following. Any wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality. And without hypocrisy. And that means even under pressure, the best you can. Even if all H comes against you, your house, your marriage, your fellowship, your self-condemnation, you know how to go to God. God has put it in you. I better run to God. I better flee to God to have help to stand it, to forgive people, to not say something I shouldn't regret. And if you fall off the horse, let's put it this way. When we fall off the horse, we just know what to do. We ask God to forgive us. We repent. We turn from our wicked ways, our wanton self. Ask somebody to forgive us. Or we just, and then we choose to not be mean. One of our little catchphrases is, there's no need ever to be demeaning, disrespectful, or mean. Just abide in enduring James 3.17. And that's the fruit. Within that fruit, it says, Blessed are, um, let's see, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit. What is the good fruit? We can expound upon it by going to Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.22-23. And it says that they're fruit of the Spirit. Once you invite Jesus into your heart and have him in there for more power over self-government, you'll have these fruits. And a little deposit, and then later on you can grow, you know, they'll grow and mature you emotionally. And you can learn about them more by reading your Bible and getting teaching every day, practicing them. 
But it says the fruit of the Spirit that are free, that come with the deposit of the Holy Spirit, once you've invited Jesus into your heart, technically you're born again. They are love, joy, peace, patience, peace, patience, temperance, meekness. And that means, of course, temperance is self-control and goodness, of course. So when you see somebody in your fellowship, if they have dark skin, bright skin, if they have big hair, no hair, if they are with an from another nation, a foreign nation or not, when somebody comes in, you assess them by not their looks, not how they appear to be, not what you suspect they really are, but instead you're fair to them, you're respectful of them, you're not demeaning to them or accusing, you're simply assessing them by how they act with relationships. Are they mature, immature? Are they James 3.17, fruits of the Spirit, Paul, Galatians 5.22-23, over time? And then as they abide around your fellowship, your family, are they still in those qualities? And what happens when they get under pressure? And that's part of it. The accuser tries, you know, the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren, the mother and the sister and the children is there all the time. He's our adversary. He's a liar. He's our foe. So we have to know how to train people and ourself not to react under pressure in a bad way, demeaning way. Also, James 3.17, abiding relationship theology. Dot, or let's see, James 3.17, abiding relationship theology is basically read the gospel. When Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was walking the earth in public area ministry with his mother Mary, the little children, the people who were born again, his ministry disciples, the people who fell into sin, the sin-laden women and men, and some would never even want to accept him, some would, but how did he treat every single relationship? He respected them, no matter if they wanted him in their life or not. And we just read Jesus and how he acted and reacted, even under pressure, even under trying to control somebody, yet he never controlled anybody. And we're going to find out if we're acting the same way. We need to react and react and act like Christ with God's help in James 3.17 fashion, fruits of the Spirit fashion, with God's help. Two things are on my mind. One is the old school Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to win no matter what. I'm going to persist until I die. Attitude. And that type of person has a hard time with this. And maybe they don't have self-control. And they can go into abuse with that because they have so much steam. They don't know how to go give it to God. So our teaching for that soul, dear soul, is... The old saying, the mantra that comes up in their hearts. I've met people like this up close, and I know this kind of heart. All right, It's usually a hurt, hurt heart, a burdened heart. But no matter what, it's their choice to how they act in the fruit of James 3.17 or not. In their home, or will they explode on their family or in their business or ministry? So when these people are under pressure, they'll come up with this when the going gets tough, the tough get going. 
All right, I'm going to pull myself along at my bootstraps and my strength. I will to do it. I will do it. And see, that's the opposite. The idea is God says, make a list of all your cares, your burdens, your fears, your anxieties, your you know, issues, and give them on to the Lord. He will sustain you. Then you go to God, commit them to him, and he will act. So if you feel that pressure... When the pressure comes, which it will, accusing, tormenting, fear, relationships, telling you things that make you struggle, the knowledge of all your bills and the things you need to do, and it's acting futile out there, you just say, Father, I come to you. I love you. You're my Savior. You've, you've come to save me from torment, fear, false evidence appearing where you've come to take my burdens and so father i'm not going to take them on myself i've given them to you and i'm going to say my new mantra is this when the going gets tough the real tough the emotionally mature tough run to god and let him have all the problems and ask for his counsel and don't take those problems back trust the lord with all thy heart Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, says the Bible, and he will direct your path. So we can help by training this, equipping this as leaders, how to stop at least the first one or two lines of abuse, emotional abuse. I used to have it in my house. I know this up close. It is a huge, it is a huge deal, more than you ever want to know. And that means ministry, life, teachers, children stepchildren, grandchildren, elders. So let's go for it. So why do I teach? It comes to me. Why do I teach against legalism? Why do I teach against legalism? It's because when you, it triggers accusation. When you are a New Testament Christian, born again, and you come up with some old Lacking in knowledge of Ephesians 4, freedom in Christ, Ephesians 4, common doctrine, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, as the basic criteria for being saved. All the rest, Pauline commands basically, are second tier. That means you don't, you treat them equally. God holds you accountable for each one equally. We don't want to minimize them, but he knows that we are human we have besetting sins. So in your relationship with the Lord, you're accountable. But he knows that if you stumble, if you fall, then he will forgive you. But you got to get back on the horse. I happen to be gifted by the grace, only grace, of having two parents and also two grandmothers who prayed for me and were excellent role models of being a Christian under pressure in relationships no one talked about official relationship theology or James 3.17, even though I look back and that's how we, each one maturely acted and reacted. And when they fell off the horse, which was rare, they got back on. I also noticed that my mother and father and my father is a pastor, an apostolic pastor in his area, and different things in parenting, it was always Mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, Ephesians 5.21. In, our, in his marriage, in all the marriages of the couples we knew, I had, it was like nobody's the big eye, nobody's the controller. God didn't plan marriage, fellowship, 
around the United States, around the nation, around the world, big eyes, little use. It was mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, but you have to have chain of command because that is a different topic. And no one is the Lord over anybody except the Lord Jesus Christ, though there can be the the term vocabulary word headship. When there is a married couple, and a lot of days, you got to know, people who say they're Christians aren't always legal. So when you have a married, legally wed husband, this applies, that the, the husband in biblical form is the chain of command head of the home, H-O-H, head of home. However, if there is no man there, then the female single parent is the head of the home. The male single parent is the head of the home. The male and female in a legally wed Christian Bible sense, Ephesians 5.21, are mutually submitted in the fear of the Lord. And then if there's a need to break a tie of making a decision, the husband goes to the Lord and prays, gives it back to the wife, and they make the judgment, you know, the decision. This is what we're going to do. And the wife says, okay, I'll submit, which to me is easy. It's not that hard. The word submission has made this horrible thing because it it creates like an abusive males or lording it over the suspicious, easily, you know, out of control female or, you know, better watch them and keep them clamped down. They might take over or be seducing or whatever this horrible thing is in the grassroots. It's just bad. Not usually in the educated groups. But since we have a lot that are not or taught not well about relationships and and there's no fear of the Lord and some of these groups in Christian ministry, we got to teach it now. We really have to teach it be on the forefront because this is Jesus Christ's reputation. And if you are on the front lines in the deepest grassroots, far out in nowhere, that is important. It's crucial right now because anybody around the world can get on their cell phone google for a place to buy property and find you and then move there with their whole group and you got to be ready for your global front lines ministry and that means respect males and females equally people from all other faiths respected equally and treated with value people from other nations that don't speak that language or address like you got to be ready this is front lines really ministry for the lord you represent jesus not yourself not your old timey ways back in the woods hidey hole tradition that is not based on new testament james three seventeen relationships that is not based on new testament perhaps period it's really back under the law suspicious of anybody over everybody suspicious of anybody doesn't look like your kind that is too big i meet it i've met it too much and really people that have never lived like country folk that have never lived anywhere but where they have with their kind of people not mixing with different groups only the blood of their pure kind runs in their veins of religion so to speak but you know what guess what if you noticed Everywhere, almost in America, we are being, the properties being purchased, we are being given and sent the nations to us. We don't have to go now as much as we used to. People are coming now. You could just be ready and you're in the front lines global ministry you've always wanted. 
you got your cell phone, you can do apps and podcasts, you can show, you know, you can be around the world, you got your global, your global outreach right now where you are, so be respectful to the ones God sends to you, to your fellowship, or at the store, at the store when you wait on them, or you, they wait on you, that's the other part, when I was growing up, my mom had an older a friend, her age, they're in their 70s, I think, and that friend had a lot of money, but they, she was a Christian. She loved Dr. J, David Jeremiah. She'd been brought up poor and was raised by an alcoholic father and so humble and a real Christian. And her husband had was a Christian, and they gave, but they had become millionaires. And her name was June. She's with the Lord now. But he wanted her to dress well, so he would get her $800 suits. Well, that wasn't, you know, my, I don't do that. And my family wasn't, but my mother was her friend. They were Christian friends, and they would go shopping with June. You, you know, June would do the shopping, and they would hang, we'd hang along, or they would. I went a couple of times only. And I watched June with the makeup lady, and when she'd buy her makeup, it was expensive makeup, or she bought this expensive clothes, or whatever. But it was humility. It wasn't the... It was because she wanted to please her husband. He liked to have her look good, and she did at her age. Spiked heels. She was very feminine and beautiful at 75 or 6. But she respected her husband, and he wanted her to look that way. And so she went out, and she would. we would go, but her heart was so pure. It was just like a lesson how to have money and not let it have you. How to not be into your money, but into Jesus. And I watched and I noticed this principle that if she didn't have money, God could not have taken her to those specific ladies and gentlemen and knew her because she'd been their customer a lot. And they respected June and her witness because she had money money that she had money that would buy things and make a make Jesus look good that Jesus isn't always poor and pitiful can barely make it that there are people with a witness and a testimony through their purchasing power because they also get to touch hands with or fellowship with the people who might not go to church maybe from another faith and that's such a great lesson so I want to share that. So it's one by one. If they have money more than you or less than you, do not be moved. But how do they act with that and with other people? That's what really moves me. Their relationship skills with other people on the sake, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. Not the big eyes, not the who owns it all, not the big materialism. That's not it. It's one by one we're born on this earth. I keep thinking this. It's one by one we're given a chance to grow and get our background and all the things in our field. It's one to one we get to choose Jesus or accept him or not. It's one to one we make our choices through the years to follow him or not. It's one to one we lie down and go to be somewhere by ourselves or not, as in up with Jesus before the throne alone, and then with everybody afterwards, hopefully, or the other place, choose not to, and you go where it's hot, it never is stopping to be dark, you don't get any vacation, and it is always pain and suffering and hell, literally, the fire of hell, like, and people screaming, and you don't have any network or any friends, it's just you know God either. So think on these things because these are choices and these are all relationships. Relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ, invite him in your heart or not, in relationship with money, like, and funding as a Christian, like I said about my friend, our friend June that went to be with the Lord. And the reason I loved June was she was just so down to earth. She didn't have any airs. She didn't demand to be respected. She was a genuine, pure-hearted Christian, and that's wonderful to know. So have money in that fashion if the Lord grant you that grace. All right. So the other part is what I teach against the law, legalism, because when you have the New Testament and it is used to club people over the head, character assassinate, say you're not good enough, demean them, ruin their name in in the congregation or in the area because of the clubbish system law such as get a black mark on your character around town rumors and and gossip do not go to church anywhere and you're a christian that happened i've been around that that's why i'm teaching on it now before i came out here i was in a much different kind of area it was primarily rural ministry and i had come from norfolk virginia beach which is seaport cosmopolitan before that my father had a church in a little teeny town in the deep south and I can tell the difference in clickishness and clannishness, yet the rumors are bigger in a big area because they go to the big people at the big top of a lot of mega stuff, maybe. But then you have th- these little networks that go around through fellowships and pastors, local area, and the Christian community. So I watched and I noticed fruit and I noticed doctrines and I noticed my dad who was not like that as a Baptist, but a real Christian more than a Baptist. And I noticed how I was raised in my family. Nobody's like that. They were Presbyterians and Methodists and Baptists. And I just noticed that I didn't find that also in the African-American community when I was with them a lot before I came down here. And I thought, what's the difference? And I thought, is it because some of these people have whelp in their doctrine, Levitical patriarchism, Western European Levitical patriarchism from the Old Testament law. And I've taught on that a lot. You can Google my things, look on the podcast. It affects relationships. It's back under the law and is used to control and to keep watch to see who's out from under their kind of authority, accusing people that are not. And I was, frankly, jumped a couple of times, twice, once in this state, once in another, but I'd been around other people, many more than myself, that were innocent, quality people. They had also been jumped by the same kind of groups. We're back under the law, promoting themselves as the way, the truth, and the life, because they thought if you are, this is Levitical law, if you are not, un, if you are there, if you are praying in tongues, or if you were in the spirit of worship or prophetic or something, then that meant they were over you, this overseer mentality, shepherding. And it meant that you're back under the law. They didn't say it like that, but it was. It means back under Old Testament chain of command, which is more like you can't, you have to be under authority. If you're not in a church, you're bad. You're accused if you are a church hopper, seen more than one or two churches, two or three churches are not, you know, then you're just some bad person. Because I heard that it was like one of the big major sins of charismatics. And I had not been raised around charismatics. I had no fear of them. So I had gone out to study doctrine like the Lord told me when I was age 24 
to study his peoples of all different kinds that believe the Bible, all colors, and know their doctrines, their pet peeves, and that one day he would have me bridge, build bridges between the Christian community. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I've done. And therefore, I was shocked. I'll be honest. I had never heard of people having to be watched by an overseer and a kind of group, intelligent people that kept watch in the overseer manner of this kind of teaching that would make, keep track of everybody, nosy busybodies, keep track of who went to church, who what didn't go to church, if they were under a famous preacher or under their kind of leadership or they were church hopping. That is so, I'm assessing, so terrible and so disturbing because I myself was blacklisted because of that, not knowing that, you know, not getting that teaching from my father, I was fully grown up. But because TV, because famous ministries, elevated pulpits, elevated hierarchy, elevated teachers to come on the scenes in the 90s, then this thing came in with winds of doctrine, trends of doctrine, I now call it yeast of the Sadducees. I teach now against accuser law, accuser legalism, Levitical patriarchism due to that. Why? The Lord said, every time you notice this or it attacks you, do not take it personally. I thought, okay. At first I did when I first got it because I was younger, a lot younger. The Lord said, don't take it personally. Take it prophetically. You're seeing what I see. If I show you this three times or more, it is a giant deal and you need it up front. So I have. All right. Why would a local community where people just go to the grocery and they're raising their children, a lot of single parents and a lot of women that the husband won't go, chooses not to go, and yet they want to get fed or fellowship, so they'll go. Why is it such a big deal to keep track when these people who are already abused at home like I used to be and these people are already tired and these people already have lots of duties they work they do their house they do their home they do their children they have all these irons in the fire and terrible things and maybe the husband's untrue why do we want to add any more law to them accusation and pain to their already pain and suffering when these people have paid for gas carved out the time, made special energy to look nice and be ready to fellowship with the saints because they so love God and they so fear the Lord and they so fear not fellowshipping with the saints because it is a command in Hebrews 25, according to the Apostle Paul. But because of this, I'm also pointing out there is no legalism with the Apostle Paul. Paul commands. That means if you can't Talk to God about it. And he said, well, you know what? I know how bad it is for you right now. You don't have to go. You can't trust them. They'll bite your back. And see, I, along the way, because I'm trying not to make this minimizing Paul's commands, everyone is valid and everyone is equally to be respected and done. However, when God knows you are weak in your family, maybe you have a moral weakness that leads to sexual sin. Maybe another family has a weakness that's more prone to gluttony, like mine. All right, not sexual sin as much at, at all, but really the gluttony, you got to watch out. Maybe you have another one of being a sharp tongue gossip. I don't have that, but maybe you do, or people like you. So no sin should be elevated and seen as worse. It's everybody's equal opportunity sinner. 
We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone's made mistakes. Everyone's said stupid things. Everyone has done dumb stuff. Me too. I have. But we've all gotten back up on the horse. At least we should get back on the horse and ride again with God's help. So we're thinking, how can we have, if, if all the headlines every day are the church in America, people are not going, it's falling away. I've never seen so many people not go. The millennials never go. And I don't go now. I, I mean, I go now. I'm going now because there's a new, there are people now that are not back under the law or critical Levitical. They know the Holy Spirit. They got worship. So I'm going while I have my own church. When I was in a place where I used to live, not Texas, I watched. I was studying the Bible. I was a Christian minister. I was married, raised by a pastor. I thought, how come people are noticing in the 80s and 90s it started? How come they're noticing if they're not under a local pastor? They're not official membership. I've never heard that. That's legalistic. And yet I would get watched and I... As a pastor's daughter, my parents if people were gossip, you know, just noticed people were their busybodies. And I got heightened sense of that, that that's so wrong to be a busybody. So I'm not. So then I realized that what is the busybody root? It is law. They're not doing it like we're doing it. They're not baptizing in Jesus' name only is another one. There is, they're not talking in tongues and we are. They're not fellowshipping on Sunday and like we do. They don't go to church every time the door is open like I do. They wear their hair colored or up in buns. We don't. So all these things I put on a little helpful pamphlet to discuss the second level doctrines, not second in value, but just the ones that are not Book of Ephesians Common Four Doctrine up on the top of onlinefellowship.us for ministry and lay anybody to see what are the things people use as critical Levitical accusation in local fellowships around town where you live. You know this happens. And what is not so we can teach against it and defrag our doctrine, defrag accusation in leadership, defrag accusation in ministry, defrag it in the Christian community so that more people want to come and respect the Lord. More people will feel safe. Remind me to tell you about the second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 from search ter- from such turn away fellowships came out of this. All right. From such turn away fellowships, did you realize that relationships are a huge priority to the Lord more than business, more than being blessed? More than me, myself, and no more. How many people come to the church? How many people do this, that, or the other? Look at the long, respected verse of Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. It says, In the last days, men and women will be lovers of themselves, accusers, boasters, denying the power of God, all these different things. And it says, From such turn away. Well, how do you get that, that it's a from such turn away fellowship? You mean Christians in a community? What we saw through the years, what the Lord showed me in the enlightened body of Christ, the United States, was that a lot of this legalism, law, shepherding, whelp, Levitical patriarchism especially, 
is prone to watching and judging from afar, not relating, not not omitting Bible verses that are relationship quality, focusing on getting. And the relationship quality verses that are missing in teaching are Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If you see somebody in sin or you think they're in sin, you're to go one-to-one respectfully, confront them politely, preserving the relationship. If not, if they won't do it, then go take somebody else with you. Also, Galatians 6, 1. Elders, if you see someone sinning, go in the spirit of meekness and humility and confront them in case you yourself are later tempted by the same sin. Those are admitted. I noticed that people were not, they were plainly ignorant, flat out ignorant of Galatians 1, 1 and 2 as a spiritual authority government form in ministry. Apostle Paul himself writes it about himself to the Galatians and he says, I, Apostle Paul, an, apro- an apostle sent from God, not by anyone, not sent out from any one person or not sent out by any one group. So I've asked the people before, who is Paul under in that jargon that people like to do these days certain groups who is Paul under was he under your bishop was he under that guy or famous somebody else no Paul was sent out by God and I think that ties in my it's parallel to the church first church which was house to house the government was not this legalism back under the law everybody watching that came later systems and hierarchy and uh, what do you call it Nicolaitans controlling the people, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, big I, little U, celebrity, and also taking the hands out of the people, the common people, and putting it only with the head office Christian leader. So we have to go to the roots, dig through the roots, be a noble Berean, nobile Berean, B-Y-O-B, bring your own Bible, even if it's online. All right, so once we find that, we forgive them. We need to forgive them, but we don't mingle with that. We don't we don't tolerate it in our church. We politely, we can circumvent it by good teaching and respect. And we pick the good stuff. I would like to ask if all those people who call people witches, they call people Jezebels, they call people false prophets, false apostles. That is giant, especially in white America, I noticed giant on line giant in history of the local churches why are people confused don't they realize that they're teaching some false doctrine like well Levitical patriarchism back into the law accusation character assassination because you didn't do what they said and you don't know a Galatians 1 1 and 2 and you say that women shouldn't teach in church because you didn't know that Paul had to pick his battles and that he couldn't do all the teaching in the society of all the Gentiles that were newly saved, where the women were out of control, and all the the Jewish families where the husband had always been the only educated one, and the women were trained not to be under, you know, to be under the law. Don't you know that Paul couldn't do all that in his short lifetime? But also, don't you know we realize that today, if you take the women out of the church, women cannot. Then what about the men, the Christian men that are up there leading in things that are forbidden under the law? Long hair, earrings, piercings, tattoos. Hey, that's your choice. 
but I'm going to pick my battles and mine is to be on board with relationships and accept and ex and honor people no matter what and not be back under the law not accuse and be cr critical levitical using Old Testament law to confuse God's people accuse and abuse people it's demeaning so therefore we're going to teach a lot on this because of abiding relationship theology dot org really relationship the theology it's called abiding relationship theology abide in James 3:17 no need to ever be disre disrespectful or mean the other is the other kernel teaching for relationship theology that kind of abiding three James 3:17 relationship theology there is another one I found but I don't read it because I didn't want to know their stuff you know confuse my doctrine take their stuff but mine is abiding James 3:17 theology at relationship relationshiptheology.org and it really means bottom line read the gospels when Jesus was alive in an area of ministry and with personal people his family and Mary and see how he acted and reacted with every type of person human being including his mother on this earth how he acted and reacted and we act the same that's all he wasn't finger pointing fighting berating people in public and calling them sinners, calling them out in their sin, like we see now. So this is about society. Ephesians 4 talks about everyone walking in meekness and, and weakness, not weakness. It talks about walking in meekness and humility and enduring love in the body of Christ in Ephesians 4. And then it talks about the offices. It talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, the common doctrine, which denotes a Christian. Then it talks about the product of a unified body, and that says that there'll be less immaturity, less grifters and con artists, less winds of doctrine, and so forth. You can read that for yourself. And it says, because it's so amazing in the Christian sense, in the Christian community, it then is transforming to the secular community around the area because the people witness to it there's a respect for it and I'd like to say where is that now just where is that now that's where we're getting back to relationships as a priority relationship first with Jesus Christ with ourself so we're not envious critical cruel jealousy gossips out of control abusers accusers and then we are respectful to everybody in our family, extended family, our spouses, our business, society at the grocery store, our playmates, everybody. Equally. And we if we we show respect, that's the first sign of real love. On the top of online fellowship there's another pamphlet that you can look at the 10 Bible relationships that come under pressure, that come under either being immature, acting like an accuser, an abuser, a gossip or acting like the Messiah, who would not judge by the sight of his eyes. He would not defame people. He would not hurt them in any fashion. So these are some relationship theology, abiding relationship theology tips and resources. Go to the top of online fellowship. So there's the Ephesians 4 Common Doctrine 1, and then the 10 Bible relationships, and use those for your ministry. 
teach the children from great, you know, cradle on up. Teach us all. Teach the grown-ups. No one is ever too mature to not learn more about abiding in James 3.17. I'm still working on it myself. God has to work on me a lot, even though I talk about it. So the reason I try to defrag accusation in leadership is because I did have first-hand experience of persons with out-of-control rage and their tongue, and I had PTSD. It took me years to get back because of the spiritual damage, emotional damage that abuse does. And I was a grown-up, and I hate to think what it does to these little three-year-olds, seven-year-olds, teenagers, college people, new mothers. I hate to think of it. Step-parents, I mean step-children. I cannot, it, it is that bad. So we're trying to defrag. If you look at what's going on in society, on TV every moment, if the adult mouths are wagging like that, man, and then you got bullying and you got all these things and families and relationships. It's sad. One time when I first came out to Texas, I got my nails done somewhere and the lady was a mom and she said, man, I can't wait to come to work every day. I thought, why? She says, I, I can get away from my children then. I went, wow, that's pretty, pretty somber. So it turned out this lady... These children were allowed at age 9, 11, and 12 to have their own cell phones beyond media. They had a relationship outside the home with the media, and therefore the relationships outside through the media caused them great trouble and horrible things, accusing, you know, feeling fighting and all this stuff. And because of the media, social media comments, and I said to her, you know what, who's paying for that cell phone? Who's paying for that internet? She was, but she was weak, plain old weak. She didn't want to fight those battles. I thought, where's the husband? They had two parents, of all things. I don't know, but he wasn't involved. So there are personal life realms of relationships, personal life realms of chemistry, personal life realms of terrible things, personal life realms of quality, and we want to go for quality and not have any relationship, be out of control, abusive, dominating, controlling, and irrational, unsafe. All right, demeaning. Well, God loves you. I got to go. This is just a little bit of what's out there to talk on. God loves you. And if you don't mind praying for me, I could use the prayer protection, more prayer power since my mama died. It just hadn't been enough. The other thing is we're trying to really get ready to recruit supporters, people who will pray and really fund uh, the ministry. I feel like I'm going out to be a Christian evangelist. And what does that mean? I'm going to go evangelize the Christians, the you-must-be-born-again Christians. The Lord just switched my plan out of the blue at the beginning of 2019. He says, be ready by 2020 or even earlier. I can go locally earlier. To get that done, we need a van. I need a van or a truck with a camper so I can sleep in it. I also go, and I'm, I'm not doing it now, but I miss being over there in Denton and Denton with the with the people that live in the homeless, helping them and the car dwellers. We want to tithe our ministry to help the people who help the poor and the car dwellers. Our car dwellers like Larry. Larry's 74. He had three heart attacks. But his 22-year-old car that he was living in, and he's not a nutcase at all. He's a smart musician, just had heart attacks after helping his mother. 
He is not chemically dependent. He's just very quality. But he was living in the car, 22-year-old, 23-year-old Infinity, aptly named. Well, this two weeks ago, it died. And he was going to be out. And because I'm not over there, I cannot, you know, come up with it. But we will give cars to churches and different leaders that will give it to these people. And I'm saying 55 years old and up is my criteria right now. You do it in your area. We'll do it over here. But when we can receive money, we want to get my car fixed up because it's sort of fallen apart in the last few months, frankly. I've never had anything like this past year. <laughs> I had the uh, assault, workplace assault, a rape attempt in my office. The car died. Then uh, it's taken months to get, you know, uneven income and then the car still needs more and more repairs it's 10 years old so the lord just said i want you to train on relationships everyone you know the rape attempt is an office attempt but that's a relationship big deal with drugs the guy was on drugs or stoned that they would do it the aftermath man that's a whole teaching right there the other part is there is a need to if if I'm supposed to go out, I'm going to have to have a place I can sleep on the road, but also help the homeless at the same time. I love to do it. It's just so amazing. There are people out there of all kinds, all faiths, and all qualities. Some are dependent not. So we have to know that this has individual unique written all over it, which is my field. So therefore, we need more people to pray in, pray on the income so that we have some, we have enough to live on and eat on and also have enough to get the car, a new car. Uh, I'm thinking of a Dodge Ram truck with it. I've given my best. I've given my all. I've given this brand new car when it was new. It's only been used for the Lord, this Toyota Highlander SUV. It is only, and God has blessed me and protected me with that. I'm so grateful. But because we've given our best, we don't want to go around feeling pitiful and poor. We're trying to be in a good example like June, the friend, that we can serve money but not have money. You know, in other words, we will not be the slave of income or money, and I'm not. But the idea takes income, and we want a reliable car. This past year alone has been like the worst only time I've ever had horrible time tires and alternators and everything, you name it. But God is so good. We kept on going. I write online no matter what. Despite it all, we have God. So God is good. His mercy endures. We give him all the glory. He's the only one that deserves it and needs it. And we give you praise. So if you want to write, correspond, you can write at dfwleader at gmail.com. That's our Number for support as well, our PayPal, Secure PayPal. It will go to the DFW Ministry Leader Fellowship online, but we're working to get it on land and out as the Christian evangelist. The Christian, ye must be born again evangelist. Are you the real deal? Are you really the one? Are you back under the law? Are you really it? Are you cheating on your wife over there? Whatever. Am I the tree real deal? Hey, we're all going to have to stand before the throne. So when I talk about it, I got to work on me. Always, you know, I'm not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm not worked up. That's another one. Everybody can work on that one. You all have a great day. God is so good. His mercy endures. He loves you. And we're thankful for you and thankful for the Lord. God bless you. This is Tevo signing off for now. God bye. Bye bye.